Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. God is going to be confirmed by Gabriel. Sometimes you just have to put yourself out there and see what will happen. And you're going to see more if you're more willing. So we want to, I want to even, um, I'm going to read Matthew 28, but I want to read first the Great Commission according to Mark, which I wasn't um, planning on doing this. So just real quick in Mark 16, and then I'll go to Matthew 28. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus has been resurrected. He's now appearing to crowds and disciples. He's about to ascend to the Father and sit at the right hand of God. He's leaving earth, but his ministry on earth is going to continue. And here's the plan for that. So Jesus says, he tells his disciples in Mark 16, verse 15, and he tells them, go into all the world and preach good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Now, we can can study this and memorize it and you know, understand the Greek and understand the original language and all this, but at the end of the day, are we doing it? We've been commissioned and commanded by God to carry out the ministry of Jesus. And, you know, our our tendency, I know my tendency, is overcomplicating things, being overwhelmed by things. Even this week when I was studying about this and I was thinking about all the people groups in the world, you know, there's like 7,000 people groups, um, I'm sorry, 17,000 ethno-people groups across the globe, and 7,000 of them have not heard the gospel. And I was thinking about Jesus entrusting this ministry of preaching the gospel to all of the world. Like he's given us this purpose. He's given us the privilege of being a part of his plan. He's put his Holy Spirit in us. We're going to read about that in a minute. But I was thinking about that, and I was, I just started, you know, I started just thinking like, like, how am I going to do that? I've got, like, I can't even get my laundry done. Like, I can't, I can't even figure out how to feed people, five people in my house, a hundred times a week. Like, I can't. How are we supposed to, like, do this epic, eternal thing that God's entrusted us to do? And so the enemy, of course, he's always opposing the purpose of God. The enemy wouldn't want, you know, if, of course he doesn't want anything that resembles God. But then if we become children of God, the thing, he's, he switches his tactics. Now he just wants to distract us and overwhelm us and derail us so we don't accomplish anything. We're just, like, missing the point of our existence so the kingdom of God isn't, isn't advancing. But Jesus has commanded us and commissioned us. He's given us a responsibility. And this is that responsibility. This is what that great commission is. It's what we've been entrusted to. The mission that every church, every ministry, every believer is entrusted to. And sometimes it's like we, 
we've, we're not quite sure how to, what's our part in it, how do we, but first I think we just need to face it, this is our responsibility. Not run away from it, but just look it in the eye and say yes to it. As children of God, we have these privileges, joy, peace, righteousness, grace freely given to us. This eternal life, this inheritance that we have in Christ, these great and precious promises. But then we also have this responsibility. Paul says, he uses the word because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. So I want to talk about saying yes to this responsibility that all of us have, individually and corporately. And I want you to think of me today as like a Holy Spirit-inspired sticky note. You already know this. Most of you in this room have heard about making disciples. Raise your hand if you've heard that's the purpose of the church. That's great. But I want to just be this sticky note like, don't just know it, actually do it, right? Actually, let's do it, and let's talk about how to do it. Okay, so Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the disciples, they start this journey. And Acts is all about them working out this mission. And now because of their obedience and throughout the generations of the gospel being preached, you and I are here in this room. And now we have this saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then we just don't have the knowledge. We have experiences in the love of God. We've been marked and impacted by the presence and the power of God. It's like we are like a walking bakery in a starving world. We've got the goods of what the, the hope of all the nations dwelling in us. And we don't just have the goods. We've got the command, the authority to go and tell others, make people, followers of Christ. How do we do that though? Like how do we just do it? First, you just have to understand, you won't fully understand how it's going to happen before you need to just start doing it. Before you just need to start opening your mouth and sharing and stepping out, telling people your story about what God has done. Oftentimes we get, you know, shut down in our mind with excuses, fear, Laziness even. Like I was talking to one of my friends the other day and we were, um, we were talking about some of the stuff that God has asked us to do. And we're just being honest. And we're like, honestly, sometimes I just, I fight like laziness. Like, it's just too much work. She's like, it's, just, it's a lot of work to like move my family. Like pack all this stuff and go do this stuff. Like it's just exhausting physically. And as, 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 as simple as that sound, I think that is one of the number one excuses is we're just lazy when it comes to the mission of God. It's just a lot of work. You know, when we moved here, that was the most work I've ever done, I think, in my life. Moving a family internationally and all this stuff. And it's labor in God's field. And it's not just spiritual. It's very practical sometimes. 
meeting up with people, scheduling, orientating your life and your budget and reorganizing things to all center around this mission that God has given us. But at the end of the day, I think you would agree you're in this room not because you just want to listen and know stuff. At the end of the day, you're in this room because you know you're going to stand before God and give an account for your life. You're going to stand there before him. In fact, I want to just turn to this passage, okay? And then I'm going to talk to you briefly about um, how we do this. So turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Are you guys awake? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. This is Paul. He's a believer. He's saved. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's doing the work of God. But he's still going to stand before God. He's still going to to give an account for his life. He doesn't have to fear punishment because he's in Christ. But he is accountable for what God has given him. So he says, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will either receive what we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. He goes on um, down to verse 14. He says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Our old life, what does he mean by that? He means the life where we called the shots. The life where everything was about how we felt and how convenient it was for us and how it benefited us. And were we, in, you know, were we into it or were not? We died to us being the boss of our life. And now we've been raised to this new life where we follow Jesus. And that means we do what he's commanded us to do. And we believe that we can do what he's commanded us to do. So then in verse 15, he says, he died for everyone. So those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He goes down into, um, in verse uh, 18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So Paul's talking about this ministry, and he's saying this is a responsibility we have, bringing people to God. And this isn't like a side dish, like this is the main dish of our existence here on earth. This isn't like, how do I work this in with this career? It's like, how do I work a career into this? So some of you are like, well, gosh, I worked here and there's all this red tape and I can't talk about Christ. Well, change careers. Like, what do you have to do to actually do what God has asked you to do? And when do you really start owning that responsibility? When do you actually start making decisions based on what he's asked us to do? When do we do that? Because you know, okay, how many parents in the room? Like raise your hand. How many of you, how many of you have kids who when you ask them something or even remotely begin to talk, they start saying, I know. And that is so annoying, right? And I've just started saying, show me that you know. Show me that you know. 
You know, you know the word, you know it's memory, you know how to say it in Greek, you know how to, but show me that you know by how you orientate your life around you making disciples, about you bringing people to Jesus and stop putting it on just the pastors. Come on, if you're called to marketplace, how's it going to the market? If you're called to these places and you've been promoted in these places, how's that working for us, church? Because maybe if it's not working, we need to try something else so that we are serious about making Christ known. This is the point of our existence. And we can sing the Spirit and the Bride say, come, but he's not coming until every tribe, nation, and tongue have had an opportunity to hear him. He says in Matthew 24 that first the gospel will be preached and then the end will come. So we can sing it, we can prophesy it, but unless people hear who haven't heard, he ain't coming yet. He's already come once and now we have the Holy Spirit in us. And it's time for us to own the responsibility and that we each have a part to play. And you don't have to be a pastor and you don't have to be a teacher and you don't have to be in fivefold ministry, but you do get to make disciples and your whole life gets to revolve around that mission that God gave you. And this is where you start fully, where you start fully living. It's when you start doing what God designed you to do that you start jiving in life. It's like if you have a hammer and you're using a hammer for everything but smacking a nail in a wall, you're going to be missing some of, it's like you, you're trying to make things work that's just not working. You're trying, 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 always feeling unfulfilled, always feeling like there's more. And it's because we have to just calibrate more of our life to what we've been designed to do. To know Christ personally and make him known. And you're right, we, we okay, so I hear, well, like, I'm called here in this city. Like, I'm not called to, you know, and I've wrestled with all these questions about, well, Lord, why'd you call us to England? Why didn't you call us to some unreached people in Nepal, you know, or unreached people in India? And these are part of the mysteries of God to me. But here's the thing that's most important about you and your life. There should be fruit from your life. Jesus said to the tree that doesn't bear fruit, he chops it down and he throws it in the fire. I know that seems like so like, oh my gosh, like, well, well, can't we know Jesus, but maybe not like have any visible evidence that we know him, you know, like we're saved, but like nothing about our life looks different. No, no, not according to the words in red. I didn't say it, he did. He demands something from our relationship with him. And he has a right to demand it. Because he's Lord and he died and suffered. And then he gives us the privilege of actually having a purpose to our existence. And then the enemy comes in and he starts to entice us with what does it say? This is the lust of the flesh. What does your flesh feel like? Well, my flesh doesn't really feel like going. My flesh doesn't really. My flesh felt like staying in bed this morning. You know, what is our, we, or we can't be ruled by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The world and these things are passing away, but he who does the will of God will live forever. And these are heavy things. And you know what? Most of the time when the Western church hears about heavy things, not all the time, the Western church has done incredible things around the world. But sometimes, even my own self, it's like you hear about heavy things and you're like, too big for me. I'll just, I'm just not going to care about it. But then we, we 
spend our lives in this gloom, this emptiness. We were made for the purposes of God. And the purposes of God will always stretch us and will break us and will pour us out. And the point of our existence isn't to have some stress-free living. The point of our existence here to make Christ known. So, like, I remember being so, I, I, the Lord just rocked me when I was in high school. I encountered the love of God. I encountered the power of God. And I just started, like, I, I started, I just, like, you have to, like, let people know, right? I mean, how many of you, you know what it's like. God some, does something in you. It's like, you got to let it out. You can't hold it in. I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I remember at first I started writing to my cousin, and my cousin wasn't saved, and I was writing these letters, you know. And it was this imperfect, right? It's this imperfect attempt to make Jesus known. Every attempt to make Jesus known by a human vessel will be imperfect. But it doesn't have to be perfect to be powerful. It doesn't have to be perfect to be used by God. So I started writing these, you know, letters to my, my cousin, and I was kind of scaring him. Because I didn't know how to do it, but I was just putting it out there. And I remember praying, praying, praying for his salvation. I remember he'd come over, and you know, that cousins would come over and visit and be like, Are you saved yet? Don't you know you're going to hell? Like, come on, I'm praying for you. Like, there's, you don't know how much, just like gripped with the revelation that Jesus really meant what he said. And that those who don't believe in him will perish, like gripped with this. Like my eight-year-old mind is like blown by this responsibility. So I'm pressing and I'm praying. I'm, you know, I'm writing these letters. I'm drawing flames at the bottom. <laughs> Awful. I know. You're saying, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. He's saved now. He's supporting me on the mission field. He's one of the largest supporters for us financially. Come on, I mean, I know it's imperfect, but tell me who God used, who got it right. Tell me who. And you know what's so frustrating about anything in life? Is the people who aren't doing anything are the biggest critics. I mean, I know, I know, I could feel, I could feel the criticism. Like you've got criticism about me being on the mission field and criticism about short term. Just tell me, what are you doing? Who have you led to the Lord the past week? You know, the medical industry is not perfect, but do we just tell the doctors to stop? Yeah, education here is pretty crummy, but do we just say shut down the schools? No. Oh, I know, I know you can't take it, can you? Exit here, 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 and here. You don't have to be here, but if you're here and you're part of this church, then we are going to do what God asked us to do. And I will not be perfect, and you will not be perfect, but we are going to aim at what He has asked us to do, or we will die trying. I'd rather try the course and get a D than not try it at all. Nobody can do what God's asked perfectly. But we have been entrusted with the Spirit of God. The precious Holy Spirit lives in us. And we're gonna stand before him who suffered so every nation, tribe, and tongue could come to know him. 
And when I stand before him, I'm not going to say, well, I didn't do that, Lord, because I was afraid that I would not get it right. And people may think I could have done it better and I could have done it this way. I don't want to say any of those excuses. I don't want to look at him and say, gosh, I wish I would have gotten off that blue velvet sofa more and I wish I would have done more for you. Do you realize in the blink of an eye, you'll be there? In the blink of an eye. You'll give an account for the talents, the gifts that he's given you. So what do you do? You first face the reality. Own our own idolatry. Confess it. And choose, choose, choose to make everything revolve around making him known. And as a church leader, I can provide opportunities. There's opportunities all over. You know, I love being able to, I love being able to provide the opportunity for people to go to play a small part in providing the opportunity for people to go to South Africa and people the opportunity to teach kids and disciple kids and disciple youth and do home groups and all these things. I'm trying to facilitate these on-ramps to help you do what God's asked you to do. But at the end of the day, it's you standing before him. And you've got everything you need to do what he's asked you to do. And so the Holy Spirit in us, listen to this. I want to just close with these three things that empower me. When I look at this huge vastness of the task, I, you know what I want so bad? I want us to be unified around this mission. I, I want it so bad, I like, it like eats at me. It's like, Lord, you wanted, you could have prayed for the church in John 17 to operate in signs and wonders, but you prayed that we would be one, that we would be unified around this mission. And it's mission, it's mission. It's when we get the bigger picture and we unify around that, the petty drama just starts to quiet down. It's when we lose our sense of focus that all these ridiculous, petty issues start becoming big things. So we have to choose to focus on what matters most. We're united in this room around this mandate that God gave us to go and make disciples. And then he gives us his spirit. And these three things encourage me. And I want them to encourage you. The Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8 gives us boldness that we can be his witness. If there's one relationship I want you to cultivate, it's cultivating that intimacy with the Holy Spirit who's in you. It's throughout the day just leaning in, tuning in. It's when you wake up in the morning speaking to Holy Spirit. It's giving him time just to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. It's at the end of the day, before you go to sleep, it's tuning back into the Holy Spirit. It's giving him an opportunity to correct and convict and bring encouragement and bring hope. I want you to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's in you to give you the boldness that you need. When you, when you, when you put yourself out there, so many, you, know, you put yourself out there and you're like, you feel like it was a dud. You told somebody about Jesus, and it just went kaput. Those days, you lay down on your pillow, he's there to comfort. He's there to counsel. When you wake up in the morning, and you just feel like work is awful, and you don't want to go, and you just, you, you resent the mission, <laughs> he's there to counsel you. He's there to be the wind in your sails. 
when you feel pulled in so many practical directions and you feel like it's absolutely just a, you don't understand the plan of God to give such an epic thing to such a human that's so frail, so overwhelmed. He's there to remind you of who you are. This relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit, this makes or breaks your existence here on earth. He's your source. All throughout Acts, he's appearing to people in visions. He's speaking in dreams. He's coming through the voice of another believer. He's leading and guiding his people. So he doesn't just give you power to overcome the excuses, the fear, the intimidation. I love what 2 Timothy, first, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He's given us this precious power to look our fear in the face. When Jeremiah was called, and he was called to speak, and he, and he says, I'm only a youth. And God says, don't say I'm only a youth. It's the spirit of God that rises up in us, that helps us walk through our fear, walk through the intimidation. All you have to do is yield. What do I mean by yield? Acknowledge your need for him. In that moment, help me, Holy Spirit. That's yielding. So the Holy Spirit in you, giving you courage. The Holy Spirit giving you gifts. Divine ability. Divine grace to heal, to work miracles, to exercise faith, to teach, to do words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all of these things packed up in you. So not only the courage to do it, but the ability to do it. And if you're looking for the perfect ability, you're going to be looking for a long time. It's this willingness to just let Christ get out of your life. So he gives us the boldness. Acts 1.8, 2 Timothy 1.7. He works in our weakness. He actually comes and hovers over our emptiness and our weakness to fill us with his strength. And he gives us divine direction and instruction. He's given us this word, but then he gives us the leadership that we need so that when we want his... Here's the thing. God will reveal his will to the person who wants to do his will. But he's not a drive-through God. You don't just place an order, I would like a word for my life, and expect it five minutes later. You wait on God. You fast. You pray. You keep fasting. You keep praying until you get the word you need. But he will speak if you will linger if you will keep on, he gives us what we need to walk in his will. So the spirit of God inside of us. So here's the thing. We've all been sent to this city. We have responsibilities. We've got bills to pay. We've got people that need us. But we also have this responsibility to God. We've been sent here with his spirit into this city where 2.8 million people live. And there's 2.8 million people in greater Manchester. I did like a little bit of math and I was like, okay, so if there's maybe a thousand churches, each church would need to have 2,800 people to cover all the people in the city. So there's great need right here. 
There's less than 1% evangelical Christians here in this greater Manchester. And what's the solution? You're the solution. I'm the solution. So some people say, well, that's great, but I'm not going to be shamed into anything. I don't want to be guilted into anything. I don't want you to do anything. Well, actually, I do. I do want you to do what you don't want to do. And I don't really care how you feel about it. You know, because, because to me, it's like we say we love Jesus. And I know you hate hypocrisy. Like, I hate it too. So I'm not, I, I can't, as a leader, I can't stand before God for my own life or for anybody that I might have the privilege of speaking into. And, and I don't want to produce an environment where you feel off the hook to the biggest thing God's asked you to do. And I don't want to give you permission to give in to your flesh. And I don't want anybody who's ever hanging around me to get the essence that they can give in to their flesh and that it's all going to work out okay in the end. And Jesus told his disciples when they were in the garden, he said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Pray so you don't fall into temptation. He didn't say, your spirit's willing, your flesh is weak. It's okay, go back to sleep. I'll see you after I finish this business for you. He puts a demand on them in their fatigue, in their weakness, and then they experience the life of Christ. I want to encourage you, there's a church for you in this city. There's lots of different types of churches because there's lots of different types of people. And we're just one small part of what God's doing in this nation. And we're one small part of what God's doing on the earth. But I want to be a wholehearted part. I want to be all in. I don't want to be on the fence. I don't want to be. And I wrestle with all the same things you wrestle with, the fatigue, the physical fatigue, the, the responsibilities, the juggling, the, all that. And I'm just going to say you have to embrace that struggle. Nobody who's doing great things for God doesn't wrestle with fear and distraction and demands and responsibilities here on earth. Nobody. We're all in it together. We're all in it together. But don't you want to live before God with a clear conscience. Even if I just have, you know, the, the story of the talent where they have one talent, five talents, ten talents. It's like if I just have one talent, I just want to make sure I used it. I just want to use it up, use my life up. I think sometimes I have an advantage because, you know, we moved here. We had these words of God and we moved here for this very clear mission of being a part of the work that God's doing here in Manchester. And some of you, you have your own story and you're wrestling with the sovereignty of God and why you're here. And I want to say just keep wrestling. Keep wrestling, but have a sense of conviction. Get the revelation you need so you can live with a clear mind and a clear conscience knowing you're doing what God has asked you to do. But you're making disciples. You're making him known. You're stepping out. Encourage. I'm going to ask the band to come. God is so patient with us. He so wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And some of you, 
you have said things like, oh, I would never be a pastor. I would never do this or I would never do that. And man, I, I have too many stories to count about things I've told God I would not do that I am doing. I mean, raise your hand if that's you. It's like I think it's a, like a funny storyline in heaven. It's like, oh, Stacy just said, well, she doesn't know. And over here, she's doing that. And I'm just saying, you need to be open about what God wants to do through your life. You need to be open to it. Never say never. Oh, I would never, I could never work for this. I could never work for me. I could never work for her. I could never, I could never be in marketplace or I could never be in ministry. Like you, you just don't know what God's going to ask you to do. But whatever he asks you to do, just do it. Learn from Jonah. Better just say yes from the get-go than spend three nights in a whale. Just say yes. Just do it. God has your best interest in mind. Your life is more than a paycheck. Your life is more than a house. Your life is more than a retirement fund. Your life is more than marriage. Your life is more than kids. It's so much more than just that. It's more than that. You were made for more than that. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe you're in this room today. And you've just never fully surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You've never transferred trust in His ability to lead you. In His ability to save you. In His ability to forgive you. And if that's you, I'm sure you have lots of questions. And you need to think deeply because there's a lifetime commitment involved when you say yes to Jesus. But some of you in here, you may just already sense the Holy Spirit, just this uncomfort, like this discomfort, like I don't have all the answers, but Lord, I know that I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I don't have all the answers, Lord, but I know that I want you to make the calls for my life. I know that I'm in need of a Savior. I can't sort my own life out. And I need you, Jesus. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you're ready to just fully transfer your trust to Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the risen Son of God, I want you to raise your hand and we want to pray with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else? I want to ask another call. I want to ask, Lord, I want to ask if you're in this room and you just want to give a fresh yes, to evaluating the fruit of your life. And you wanna say, yes, Lord, I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna make the most important thing I do be making you known here on earth. And I'm willing for you to redirect me. I'm willing for you to do whatever you wanna do. I just want to do what you're asking of me. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Lord, if it means I have to move jobs, if it means I lose my job, if it means I have to take a pay cut, if it means I have to move house, if it means I have to do anything, God, if it, whatever it means. If it means I never get married, if it means I'm married forever, whatever it means, Lord, make your mission my most important to do. And some of you, I just want, put your hands back down. Some of you, I just feel you, you have just been so bound by fear fear of rejection, fear of not having enough resources, 
fear of being misunderstood, fear of stepping out for God and feeling like you're gonna make a fool for Him. And the fear has literally been hindering you your whole life. Today's a day of freedom. The Lord's not giving you that spirit of fear. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Come on, all over this room, yes. Thank you, Jesus. So while the band is praying, or while the band is playing, I wanna encourage you, come forward for prayer. We're gonna have our prayer teams here and we can pray for you. Maybe some of you are just seeking God for direction. If you raise your hand, you need just somebody to agree with you to be free from fear. I want you to come up to our prayer teams, but let's make this an atmosphere of faith. And those of you in this room, some of you are even praying about what church am I supposed to be a part of? That's such a noble question to ask. I wanna just encourage you, God has a people for you. God has a place for you where you can be fruitful for His glory. And if you're asking that question, I just wanna declare over you that you have peace that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That you know the place where you're called to be planted and you bear fruit in season. I thank you, Father, that you have a family for all of us, a faith family, a community to run with. And I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, making known where those places are in Jesus' name. So while they lead, you pray, you engage with God, and you will hear Him speak to you.